Brilliant. Well, we're on a, a series, and don't be afraid if that's your first week with us is this week, because you can go to the app or to our website, family.church, and you can listen to all the previous parts of this uh, series that we're on called Strong Foundations or Good Foundations. And we're looking at the importance of having solid, good, immovable foundations in our life so that whenever anything comes presidented or unexpected happens, we remain standing the other side of it. Because the reality is, just like Jesus taught in Matthew 7, storms come and storms go. But what causes us to be able to remain is the foundations beneath our life. The storms may come and storms may go, but foundations determine what remains. Just say that to somebody. I know that's annoying, but it's a good way for you to remember it. Foundations determine what remains. Now, we need the solid ground of our relationship with Jesus, but also the solid ground of foundational truth beneath our lives. Not in a moment, but in this constant walk that we have with Jesus. And we've been looking the last couple of weeks, and we're going to carry on with this subject for a couple more weeks, at what I'm calling keystone truths. Now, they're called keystones because they're key stones. Now, when you have a keystone, the keystone in a building or in a policy is the stone that makes every other stone that's important come together and make sense or work effectively. So the Bible is filled with truth. We know that, right? It's filled with bricks that are true about this and about that, about our finances, about morals, about relationships, about how we treat others. But there's certain keystone truths that need to be firmly in position in our lives so that the other truths can work like God made them to work. Now, we looked last week at the first keystone truth that we're speaking of, which was grace. That the, the truth is that a person is saved by grace alone, not by their works, but by faith placed in the grace of God. Now, that's a great statement, but it needs to be more than a statement. It needs to be a keystone truth that you build everything in your life upon. Now, we know that grace is the unmerited, undeserved, unearned favour of God shown towards us, not just at our salvation, but right the way through our life. But God wants us to experience saving grace, and remember last week, sustaining grace. So God wants every human that's been separated from him by sin to experience saving grace in their life so that they can walk out of a building shouting, hell lost another one, I'm free. But God also wants us to know sustaining grace. And when we looked at the life of the writer of Amazing Grace last week, John Newton, we saw that he was a man that didn't write about saving grace, but also sustaining grace. He said, through many storms, through many trials, I have already come. Grace, grace has led me thus this far. Grace will lead me home. That the writer of Amazing Grace didn't just understand God's grace to save him, but also God's grace to keep him through whatever may come his way. And that's our testimony too. <clears throat> then we shared last week that if you know grace, that must equal that you show grace. If you know grace, the sum is very simple. If you know grace from God, you've got to show grace to others. I don't know if God had me on a bit of a project this week, tell you the truth. I don't know if he thought, all right, big mouth, you're sharing on grace last Sunday 
Let's see, Brother Big Mouth, how you do this week with a couple of key tests. Now, how many people know that key tests come through people? And I had a couple of key tests. Anybody else this week, or was it just me? I had a couple of key tests where there were moments where I could have been ungraceful, not given someone or given someone something that was unmerited, um, or responded in a way that just wasn't graceful. But it's amazing, in those moments, it was like I heard heaven say, uh-huh, what are you going to do? Uh-huh, hey, preacher of grace, what are you going to do? And I had certain tests this week, and I'm kind of glad in some ways this week's over, because they tested, do I believe that I've received grace and now I must show grace? But what about what they did? No, no, that's not the question. Do we show grace? Because grace is undeserved, unmerited, and unearned. We've received it. We also need to as believers so we can stand out on the earth, show it. Now, this week, I want to talk about another keystone, and I'm kind of thinking this may take a couple of weeks because it's a big keystone, and it's the keystone concerning the truth of our righteousness, okay? Now, correctly understanding our righteousness is a keystone in your life. Last week, we spoke about the keystone of understanding God's grace. This week, I want you to understand the keystone of understanding God's righteousness. What is righteousness? Right standing with God. Your ability to stand before God 100% right. That's righteousness. That through his grace, God makes, by God's love and through his grace, God makes us able to become righteous or to experience a rightness before him that we could not achieve or earn in our own strength. As with grace, it's about what God does for us, not what we try to achieve ourselves. The whole way through this series, we're going to be talking about this key facet of faith and belief, that the things that we receive from God, grace, righteousness, justification, sanctification, they're all things that are accounted to us, never earned, because we could never do enough to earn the things that God gives us. Now, we understand that as with grace and the mercy of God, it's God who in his salvation plan made a way to make those who were unrighteous, that's you and me, now I'm going to go really simple with this because I want us all to catch this, he made a way for those who were unrighteous, that's you and me, to become fully righteous in his sight. And all we ever do to experience this right standing with God outside of keeping the law, we're going to go into that a little bit more next week, apart from anything we do is simply believe him. It's a righteousness that's the produce of faith. What's faith? Believing what God has said he's done. Everybody with me? So true righteousness, and by that I mean what God considers to be right, is something a person receives and has credited to their life, never something that they achieve. Now, we can all produce a variety or a measurement of righteousness in our own ability. That's called living righteously or doing things that are righteous. 
Now, the problem is we may do things that are righteous, but the things that we do that seem righteous, if they're done to gain a right standing with God, simply don't impress him. Now, I'm going to bring this message down a little bit so that then we can lift it up. What I'm saying is what we do that we feel is good by our standard. Well, I'm doing this, that's right. I'm doing this, that's right. They're not doing this, they're not as right as me. All of those rights that we concoct in our own ability, they're good for us. They may justify us between one and each another, but they don't meet the standard of God. Do you know why? God's standard is perfect. God's standard is perfect. Ours is often nearly, could be, was, should be. God's standard for us to stand right before him is perfection. Absolute perfection. So the common starting block, when we understand these things, the common starting block for every man, whether they be Jewish or Gentile by birth, is to understand that we have no righteousness of our own. Can we all agree on that before we move on? We may do good things, we may have an independent standard of righteousness, we may be good on Wednesdays and Fridays, and we feel ourselves to be quite righteous, where actually all we are is self-righteous. And what we're speaking of today isn't self-righteousness, but rather imputed righteousness. When righteousness becomes yours as a gift and not an achievement. All right, some of you are like, what do you mean I'm not righteous? Well, let me, let me let the Bible explain that to you. Romans 3 verse 10. There is no one righteous, not even one. Simple. Isaiah 64 verse 6. All our righteous deeds are like filthy rags in the sight of God. So the things that we do to be right before God apparently are nothing more than filthy, disposable. Um, if you look into the actual meaning of that word filthy rag, it really is vile. It's disgusting, the true analogy of what that is. But what God's saying through the prophet Isaiah is everything that you do, not that we shouldn't live right, but if we're living right to be right before God, everything that we do to be right before God in our own ability is nothing more than a filthy rag. Romans 3, 23. For all, how many? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, that word glory is an interesting word. It's the Greek word doxa, doxa. And the word um, glory, all have fallen short of the glory of God. That word glory means opinion, standard, judgment, estimate, view. And it determines whether a person is good or bad concerning something. That's the meaning of the word glory. So when we understand that, we see that what the Bible's saying in that verse in Romans is all, everyone, whether you were born in a rich home, a poor home, whether you were born in Asia, um, Africa, or Europe, all have not met the standard of God, which is perfection. It's not our standard. His standard is perfection. So that leaves us all in the same position. But we need a righteousness that comes as a gift, not as something that we can work or make in our own doing. Now I want to look at some other key verses. I'm speaking this morning, but actually I'm going to let Paul, the Apostle Paul, 
do a lot of the preaching this morning because he does it much better than me. I'm just going to read you some verses from Romans. Remember, we've established that none of our self-righteousness impresses God in the regard of having right standing with him. But righteousness needs to be something that we receive as a gift from God, not try to make in our own doing. Now, here's some key verses we've been looking at the last couple of weeks that are really foundational verses. Romans 5, verse 17. For if because of one man's trespass, Adam, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace, here it comes, and the free gift of righteousness now reign in this life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Did you see it? Same verse we used last week. It speaks of abundance of unmerited, undeserved, unearned favour coming from God to those who don't deserve it, but also the free gift of righteousness. The righteousness that causes us to be able to stand before God, blameless and as perfect as Christ himself, is the gift of righteousness given by God through his grace to all of those that never deserved it. This stuff, when we begin to get it in our hearts, it makes us worship. It makes us worship. It leaves us going, how can I not worship him? All right, let me read you that verse again from another translation. I'm going to read from the uh, Passion Translation and read on a little bit further because it colours it in. Death once held us in its grip, and by the blunder of one man, Adam, death reigned as king over all humanity. But now. Aren't you glad for the but now? That's how things were before Christ. But now, how much more are we now held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life, enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Son, Jesus, the Messiah? I love that. Then it carries on. Continue to listen this morning. In other words... Just as condemnation came upon all people through one transgression, one sin in the Garden of Eden, so through one righteous act of Jesus, his sacrifice, the perfect righteousness that makes us fully right with God and leads us to a victorious life is now available to everyone. Because of what Jesus did, the righteousness that pleases the Father is now available to everyone. But it comes as a gift that's received, not an achievement accomplished. Everybody good? Now, I know we're teaching this morning, but Listen, we're going to have a lot of time for preaching in the next few weeks. I want us to get these foundations under our life so that we can begin to build forward and not just maintain. Verse 19. One man's disobedience opened the door for all humanity to become sinners. Thank you, Adam. So also, one man's obedience opened the door 
for many to be made perfectly right with God and acceptable to him. Thank you, Jesus. No thank you, Adam. Big thank you, Jesus. Adam, through his sin, brought me into unrighteousness. Christ, by his obedience, brings me into full right standing with the Father outside of my performance based as a gift, not an achievement. I don't know if this stuff doesn't excite the Spirit of God in you. I don't know what will. The bottom line is Jesus made a way for a person to become right before the Father by his substitutional sacrifice. Nothing we could do could give us a standing of perfect rightness before God. But everything that Jesus did on the cross accomplished that for each and every one of us. That's why the gospel is good news. It's good news of Jesus, but the gospel also reveals a right standing with God that pleases God. Now, we might have a right standing with God that pleases us, but if it doesn't please God, it doesn't mean much at all. In the gospel, we find a right standing before God that pleases the Father, but it comes by faith in Jesus Christ alone. Okay, Romans 3, 21. Everybody still good? Romans 3, 21 to 22. But now, when? Now. Now. But now the righteousness, the ability to stand right before God, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness, the right standing with God, of God, that comes through faith in Jesus Christ to everyone and on all who believe because there is no difference whether you were born a Jew or born a Gentile. The righteousness that pleases God is available to everyone who does one thing, believes in Jesus Christ. That's why you never hear the spirit of anti-God It's always the spirit of antichrist because Christ is the kingpin that makes a person saved, righteous and justified. Him alone. So I love this statement where it says being witnessed by the law and the prophets because there's that moment in Matthew 17 in that moment called the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus goes up the mountain with a couple of his disciples. Everybody remember that account? And it says in that moment... Elijah appeared and so did Moses. Elijah represented the prophets. Moses represented the law. And in this moment you had Jesus, Elijah and Moses. And the disciples, a couple of them are watching. But in that moment it says that God spoke out and said, Here is my son. Hear now him. Now you've got to understand that was a moment where Moses and Elijah stood back. And Jesus stepped forward as the one that could bring the right standing with God to your life. It doesn't say place faith in Moses or the law that he brought. It doesn't say place faith in the prophets that came like Elijah. It says place faith in Jesus Christ. Hear him. 
Now, this is interesting because the key truth that we're underlining as the keystone truth today is that our righteousness is faith-based. I'm going to keep on saying it. It's faith-based. It's based on right believing and not right doing. It's the result of a right standing that came from the divine exchange that happened when Jesus died on the cross. Now, I love the thought of a divine exchange. Let me read you the verses again. 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he, that's God, made him, that's Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin. God caused his son to become sin for us, so that, come on, let's keep reading, so that in him, that's what happens when you believe in Jesus, your life is positioned in him, he became sin for you, so that in him we would become the righteousness that pleases God. I can stand before God as blameless as Jesus because he stood before God as me. Come on, let that sink into your heart. I'm not standing before God with any self-righteousness. I can stand before God with the full merit of Christ because Christ stood before the Father as me. Come on, this is foundational truth in a world where everybody's moving truth. Let's, let's keep this stuff solid. It's a righteousness that's credited or accounted to us like grace never deserved or earned. It was the product of what he's done for us. It's the language of done, 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 not do, do, do. We're going to look next week at the righteousness that came from the law, and you'll see that the righteousness that came from the law was do, do, do. But the righteousness that comes through faith in Christ comes through it's done, it's done. By faith we enter in to what he's finished. So we understand it was the product of what he did. Now again, sorry if you're bored of the book of Romans. I don't think you could ever get bored of the book of Romans. I love this book. But listen to how Paul unpacks this. Are you listening? Romans 4, verses 1 to 8. Let me use Abraham as an example. It is clear that humanly speaking, he was the founder of Judaism. What was his experience of being made right with God. What was Abraham's experience of being made right with God, with a righteousness that pleased God? Good question. Was it by his good works of keeping the law? No, for it was by the things, uh, for if it was by the things he did, he would have something to boast about, but no one boasts before God. Listen to what scripture says. Because Abraham believed God's words. Faith. Because Abraham believed God's words. His faith transferred God's righteousness into his account. Wow. Abraham believed. Because Abraham believed, his faith 
transferred God's righteousness into his account. So what happens when we believe? Anybody there yet? God transfers his righteousness into our account. But I didn't do nothing. That, my friend, is the point. When people work, they earn wages. It can't be considered a free gift. If you do a day's work, you get a day's wage, right? When people work, they earn wages. It can't be considered a free gift because they earned it. But no one earns God's righteousness. It can only be transferred when we no longer rely on our own deeds or works, but rather believe in the one who powerfully declares the ungodly to be righteous in his eyes. It is faith that transfers God's righteousness into your account. Remember, the Bible says that we are now children of Abraham because we come through believing, not through obedience to the law. It's faith that causes God to put his righteousness, which is perfect righteousness, into your account. I think that's soaking in because we, we should be doing backflips about now. All right, let me carry on. This might excite some of you. Even King David himself speaks to us regarding the complete wholeness that comes inside a person when God's powerful declaration of righteousness is heard over their life. Apart from the works, God's work is enough. Here's what David says. What happy fulfillment is ahead for those whose rebellion has been forgiven and whose sins are now covered by the blood of Jesus. What happy progress comes to them when they hear the Lord speak over them, I will never hold your sins against you again. What happy joy, that's why the gospel's good news. Some gospels that are preached make people miserable. This gospel should make you happy as a clam. What good news. Now David is prophesying not of what he's experiencing, but of what those who the other side of the cross would know as God's righteousness in their life. As new covenant believers, we're the people that David's speaking of. Blessed are those whose sins are no longer counted against them. Blessed are those whose rebellion is forgiven. David's speaking of you and me through the prophetic tunnel of time. Let me put it this way. When it comes to righteousness, God is not rewarding you. He's blessing you. God has nothing to reward you for. And if you do want what he could reward you for, you'll thank him for his mercy. Righteousness, God making us able to stand before him blameless and innocent in a perfect standing that pleases him comes through faith in Christ alone. Now this whole thought of accounting, let me put it this way, this is one of the best examples I've seen. Imagine there's two piggy banks. There's yours, Y, you. Could be M for me and J for Jesus. You see, what happened at the cross 
God took everything that was in your account out of your account and put it into his. But he also took everything that was in his account. Full, true righteousness. And he took it and he placed it to your account. You did nothing. The Father did everything. The Father emptied his son's piggy bank into your life. And he could because he'd emptied your life onto the life of his son. So this is us before we come to Jesus. We've got a few righteous deeds, a whole lot of sins, loads of sins. Mine would have been overflowing with sins. How about yours? But also there would have been a bit of self-righteousness. But I did this, don't you know? I did this. I was a good person, don't you know? Self-righteousness, filthy rags. And then you've got Jesus, who's perfect righteousness. The moment you place faith in Christ, the Father empties what's in the Son's account into yours. And you become right before the Father, watch, because you're now in Christ. But when God sees you, he sees his Son. Now, let me bring this in for a landing, but we're going to carry this on last week. I was working on this this week, and I was like, no way are we going to get through this in one week. Why is it vital to understand this keystone truth? To stop us doing things to become what we already are, so that we can now be free to live true to who God's made us to be. You see, if I wake up in the morning and I don't think I'm righteous, I'm going to spend the rest of my life or the rest of my day trying to become righteous when the Bible says I already am. But if I wake up in the morning saying, thank you, Father, you have made me righteous, it's going to be a natural expression of my life now to do righteous things. Should a believer do righteous things? Absolutely. Why? Because they're being true to what God has now made them to be. But I've got a rubber hits the road question for you that is going to test you a little bit at the close of the service today. Because a lot of the time we like, yeah, I believe in righteousness by faith. But sometimes when I ask this question, people's eyebrows begin to move. I want to see if your eyebrows move this morning. So do righteous deeds done by a person make a person righteous? Or does a righteous man do righteous deeds? We need to believe that in our hearts. Because I've had conversations with people and I've said, do righteous deeds that a person do make them righteous? Absolutely. But wait a moment. The Bible says that righteousness doesn't come by our deeds or our works. It's a gift from God which comes through faith. You see, if you believe that your righteousness is dependent on you, you're going to live in condemnation, you're going to live in inability, and you're going to live in shame. When Jesus said that we're to rule in life now through the one Christ Jesus, understanding that we've received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Now you say, but wait a moment, a righteous person should do righteous things. Correct, because the fruit of a tree should bear the life of a tree. 
but the fruit of the tree doesn't make the tree what it is. We need to let that penny drop in our hearts. But we stand righteous before God today, not because we've done anything, but because what Christ did for us. But when we understand we're righteous, the rest of our life is just spent living true to who we are, who God says we are, and then we begin to do righteous deeds, but we should never do righteous deeds thinking that they make us righteous. Everybody with me? It's a gift that comes from God outside of our performance. Now, truly grasping this will have a great effect on our lives. It really will. Number one, it will cause us to live completely different. As with grace, righteousness will not become a license to be unrighteous. You will find yourself being righteous because you understand that's what you are. But it'll also free, free you from feeling condemned. It's the enemy who condemns. The Holy Spirit always comes to convict. The, Holy, the devil comes to condemn. And one of the things he condemns believers is the moment they open their eyes, you're not righteous because you haven't done anything righteous. Last week you didn't live righteous. And if a believer doesn't have foundational truth beneath their feet, they'll believe the lie and start to work, achieve, and do to possess what the Bible says they already are. So we want to be those who wake up in the morning and say, thank you, Lord, I'm so righteous today. I'm so righteous today. Oh, that grates with some people here today. I'm so righteous today. Now, apparently, I became what he was because he stood before the Father as I was. So if you're saying you're not perfectly righteous, then he must not be. Because he exchanged your sin for his righteousness. Isn't that incredible that today we can come boldly before the throne of God, knowing we belong and we're accepted, we're forgiven, and he knows our sins against us no longer. Because we've received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. The last thing I want to share just as I close is it also causes you to live free from condemnation, guilt, and shame-based Christianity. I want to give you a gift today. Every household can get one, all right? I want to give you this gift. I actually bought it for you before lockdown, but then lockdown came. And it's a book by Pastor Colin Urquhart, who would very much be my pastor, called The First Minute. Now, I want to give this to every household. If you represent your household, I want you to get a free copy when you leave today. Because though it's a little book, it's genius. And what Pastor Colin is sharing, he actually shared at our last Empower conference two years ago. And it's this simple thought. If we understand what the Bible teaches, when we wake up in the morning, we shouldn't go into 10 hours of prayer convincing God what we should be or who we are. We should have that settled in one minute. And Pastor Colin leads you through in this little book and he says, when you wake up in the morning, you should be able to say, because the Bible licenses you to, thank you, Father, I am righteous today in your sight. Thank you, Father. Before I do a thing, I'm blameless in your sight. Thank you today, Father, I'm holy today in your sight. Because then he says the next 
minutes that remain in your day are then spent enjoying fellowship with God. Not trying to get him to convince you that you're somebody that you're not. I want to challenge you this week. Take one of his books and begin to read it. Remember, we're on a journey together. Next week, I'm going to continue to look at righteousness, righteousness based on the law, and then righteousness based on faith on Christ. Old covenant, new covenant. And then we're going to begin to look at justification because you will never understand being made righteous until you understand that he has justified you. I'm not in a hurry. Come on, guys, we've got to get this truth under our feet so that we can begin to rule and reign in life like Jesus died on a cross for us to do. So we're going to carry on next week, not in a hurry. Grab a copy of this. It's called The First Minute. I challenge every one of you to read it this week, please. Take a moment to prayerfully read it and let the incredible simple truths that's contained in it get deep inside of you. I promise if they do, you'll never be the same with God ever again. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, one prayer, one prayer, just one prayer, just one prayer. He's already here in your heart. Just one prayer. One prayer can take you from being unrighteous to being fully right in his sight. One prayer can release his unmerited, undeserved, unearned favour upon your life. One prayer can cause you to go from being unjust to being fully just in his opinion. One prayer that bases its words upon Christ on a cross. I want us all to pray this today, if you would pray this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for letting Jesus die on the cross for me. Thank you that he took my sin and I took his righteousness. So wonderful to believe. Let it be true within my life right now. Let every guilt, shame and condemnation fall from my life. As your righteousness breaks out in me. I believe in you, Jesus. Thank you for forgiving my sins. I receive your salvation. Amen. Just my every eyes closed, every head's bowed, just in this moment. Maybe you're here, you've never given your life to Jesus or you've wandered away or you've never understood your salvation. You've never known him as your saviour, the one who makes you righteous, the one who clothes you with a cloak of righteousness that you don't deserve like the prodigal son that came home. Maybe you've never known that and you prayed that prayer today. I want to ask you to do one thing for me. When I count to three, would you lift your hand? We want to make sure that we do everything for you that we can. I'm going to count to three, and if you've never prayed that prayer or you've been away from God, just do this one simple thing for me and lift your hand. One, two, three. Right now, is there anyone? And you need to say, Jesus, I give my life to you today. Jesus, I return my life to you today. 
I don't want to have filthy rags to my account. I want the righteousness of your son. Father, I pray today that this word would stay with us as we leave. But we would consider these things and let them come alive within our hearts. I pray for every man and woman here today as they read this little yellow book. Great joy will come to their heart. In Jesus' name, amen.